Welcome to Blooming Out on Community Radio, WFHB. Blooming Out is a forum by and for the LGBTQ plus community. Each week we explore the issues, events pertaining to the LGBT community in Indiana, the U.S., and internationally. We speak with guests about human rights, coming out, the legality of being gay, and much more. Blooming Out is a multiple award-winning program here on Community Radio, WFHB. Thanks for listening to Blooming Out. Good evening, everyone, and welcome to Blooming Out. I'm Frankie Preslav. I'm Alex Ashkin. And I'm Justin Robertson. So, kids, how has our week been? Honestly, not too bad. Yeah. <laughs> Other than being a, uh, I guess, a Halloween Grinch. Is that what you were? Yeah. Really? Well, like, what does that look like other than today? Uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> my my costume. Um, right. But uh, no, I I genuinely kind of forgot yesterday was Halloween. It's a, by the time the kids come around, I'm like scrambling for things, and I'm like, well, I got chapstick oh, yeah. and <laughs> tra- <laughs> travel toothpaste. Yeah. Used, used chapstick. Penny, yeah. Pennies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, I I was the bad neighbor. So you turn your porch light out. And exactly. <laughs> yeah, hit, hit in the back room. My, my Halloween grinchiness. Bah humbug. <laughs> well, not everybody can have it. How about you, Justin? Did uh, you? Uh, my week was great because I was in London. Yeah, I know you were in London. Yeah. Well, let's let's go backwards. So let's hear about <laughs> your your Halloween outfit. I didn't do Halloween. Another Grinch. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I'm a Halloween. Is that a Grinch? I'm, that's not a Grinch. A Halloween. That's Christmas. That's yes, Christmas. Kind of same thing. But can you have be a Hall- Halloween Grinch? Uh, I don't see why not. Okay. Yeah, I don't okay. see why not either. Okay, there you are. Okay, <laughs> number two, <laughs> Grinch. <laughs> so you were nothing. You were home. In I your, actually like your rocking chair knitting, right? That's no, I was at do. Spam a lot. Spamalot? Mm-hmm. What's that? At the IU Auditorium. It's you don't know Spamalot? Well, I'm gonna pretend like I don't, so you can <sighs> tell us. Are you gay? No, I'm not. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm, I'm an that implant. Figures. I'm an implant. Okay. <laughs> Spamalot is a Broadway musical. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Based on Monty Python's Holy Grail. Awesome. So, did did you? Uh, was it good? It was fabulous. Have you seen it before? No. Okay. Well, awesome. But I knew all the songs. I'm sure you did. <laughs> <laughs> Elbowing everybody out of the way so you could get on stage. That's right. Yeah. You know, no, I really was like, I want to be in the show. That's awesome. And then London. And then London. And I saw lots of theater there, too. Yeah. Your Facebook page pictures were awesome oh were they thank you, yeah. and you did you see did you see I, me I with see, kate middleton yeah, i did that you were like you know doing a selfie with her yeah that was cute you had the same shoes on yeah well we're besties yeah that was cute so that was <laughs> fun did you know she was going to show up at your house like that i had no i showed up at her house okay because i was at, at kensington gardens right again the queen right <laughs> all your connections <laughs> but i really had no idea that i would run into her to her but i did oh well you called and like, <laughs> hey i'll be there well that was fun was that your highlight no my highlight was i went to this big event there that's called the miss alternative world pageant and it was started back in 1972 by zondra rhodes who's uh-huh. a famous designer 
and she did all of Queen's design, you know, the band Queen. Yeah, yeah. She's just fabulous. Um, was that her with the purple hair? Yes. She's about 80, and she has been dyeing her hair purple What I mean, because in his, uh, fo- in his uh, Facebook post, there's photos of him and this lady yes. with purple hair. Dame Zondra Rose. Yeah, yeah. I'm name-dropping. You are. You are the man. Because I was with we'll, we'll interview you tonight. <laughs> 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 That's exciting. Yeah. But yeah, I worked with her on quite a few events before, so she invited me and my friend uh, who's also worked with her uh-huh. to this big event that she started years and years ago and it's this annual contest it's a beauty pageant but it's based uh, she was inspired by the Westminster dog show so it's just totally crazy and it's mostly drag queens um, the person who won was a Russian drag queen awesome and did, yeah. but did you judge no, 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 I didn't judge. You just, but it was you, at the Shakespeare. You always Club. judge. I, don't I, I was don't judging. Even try that. I, I was judging. That's for sure. <laughs> don't even try that. I would, I would, so who won in your head? <laughs> not, not the person who won. Of course not. They're not going to hear this in England. No, they will. So all oh, you're, you're famous. Uh. Everybody's like. <laughs> um, well, that's fun. I, I mine wasn't as exciting, but as exhausting. I went to Vegas. I just got back. Wait, oh, that's right, you did. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's so much For fun. 20- Where did you stay? We stayed at the Tuscany. Um, it's off the strip. One of our friends, um, Bernard, who's awesome. We're on the highway. The- yeah, it's on the highway. Pretty <laughs> much. Well, what happened was he. <laughs> I didn't know this because I kept waiting for him to say, hey, we owe you or you owe us so much money for the hotel. And it never kind of came around. And he was um, he signed up for a um, with those condo things or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. And he ended up so he got this free trip, but he had to listen to the spiel and everything. And so it was like a two hour, four hour thing or whatever. So the, the hotel <laughs> ended up being like free. And it was actually a really nice hotel. Um, it was off the strip a little bit, but just a block Free or hotel, two. You can't complain. No, we couldn't. So it was fun, <laughs> and, and and the four of us. There was four of us on this trip, and um, we partied hard. All adults. Yes, all no kids. Definitely no wow. kids. Wow, what did you do with your kids? Um, my little brother Kip, my baby oh, brother, yes. who's almost fifty, Kip, yeah. um, <laughs> watched the kids, okay. and um, no. So we went off our twenty fifth anniversary oh congratulations and yeah so we did that and that was fun and you know we rolled in almost every night at 7 a.m and we had breakfast went to bed and then oh woke up because vegas has no that? time it no says, there there isn't yeah you just, but i still go to bed there no well yeah you you go to bed i don't know <laughs> it's usually not your bed but you go to bed <laughs> no i went to bed in my bed um no it was it was a lot of fun but definitely wasn't london i went to there was i went I to paris <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Paris. Oh, you were, yeah, that's where I stayed when I was there last year. So Vegas. it's fun. But yeah. Vegas is like every couple year thing. Yeah. It's not everything. It's, it's, it's silly and fun. Yeah. So we're yeah, good. So be. everybody had an awesome week, more or less. And um, yeah. so we'll just go from there. And tonight we have Kate Wiltz, a candidate from Rowe County Council, District 2 in our studios. And we'll be talking with her about her candidacy and politics and all that fun stuff because we're coming up to elections and uh, we want to you know get make sure people are getting out and informed on what's going on but before we hit uh, that let's uh, hear from Alex uh, so what's going on with the G G L G B P P our alphabet <laughs> yeah, yeah the news. alphabet community <laughs> so uh, Gay Star News reports that governor of Dar es Salaam province in Tanzania Paul Madonka or Makonda, excuse me, on October 29th, gave police one re- week to round up quote-unquote 
every homosexual. Expecting outrage from more progressive countries, Makanda said, I prefer to anger those countries than to anger God. He's asking the citizenry to support suspected LGBTI people and to the police who are also sifting through social media to try and identify others. I have information about the presence of many homosexuals in our province. If you know of a homosexual, you must report them to the police, uh, to a police officer. No one can escape, Makanda says. He claims that there's already 100 names on his list and LGBTQ folks will be sentenced to a 30-year stint in prison. Tanzania's president, John Magufuli, has been amping up the homophobic rhetoric since being elected in 2015. An anonymous lesbian Tanzanian reported to Gay Star News, These people don't joke. They mean business. Before homosexuality used to be taboo, gradually you started to see them blending in. It was a non-issue. With this president, it's going back to the old days. He's using his power to control people. He's a tyrant. You can easily disappear in Tanzania, and I don't want to risk it myself. She describes reports of LGBTQ people being bound and having their heads stuffed into tires before being burned alive. Magafuli has also shut down AIDS clinics within Tanzania, describing them as hotbeds for homosexuality, and has jailed lawyers and activists um, for trying to protect health initiatives aimed at preventing the spread of AIDS. His health minister has even banned sales of lubricants, claiming it encourages gay men to have sex. Wow. Yeah, that's all it takes. Just Um, get lube and you're done. Wow, this guy's a tyrant. Yeah, absolutely. And this is it's scary that this is happening everywhere now. Yeah, and 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 at one time our country would be the one kind of speaking up uh, against stuff like this, and mm-hmm. you know we're obviously speak trying to speak up for ourselves right now. But you know to have these madmen and monsters out there now that are wreaking havoc on the LGBTQ community is just it's it's awful. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, hopefully, people. I mean, in situations like this, I mean, the only thing that you it's, it's important to stay informed, um, write letters, um, you know, s- educate other people. Um, you know, it's just if it can happen there, mm-hmm. it can happen anywhere. We used to think it couldn't happen here, and it's scary to think that you know, it's possible. What's well, happened here before? Mm-hmm. I mean. I think <laughs> you're right. You're right. You're right. <laughs> well, and I think so, yes, it can happen again. Right. It, I think the important thing, as you sort of said, Frankie, is not only um, trying to keep people educated, but also if you know anyone who somehow may be affected by this or is in the region, make sure to reach out, be in contact, make sure you know they're safe. Um, right. Because yeah, it it is one of those things where you know there one day gone another and governments do have the ability to um quote unquote disappear people yeah and that is frankly terrifying right and and it's becoming i mean they're you know like what's happened in russia Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. egypt and 
China. Yeah. You know, just recently in the news of, you know, people disappearing, you know, and not the L- just the LGBTQ yeah. community, but just citizens and news media, you mm-hmm. know, professionals. And it's just, it's awful. Um, but, you know, again, this is why it's important to stay informed and not assume that uh, this isn't something that can't touch, you know, us and, and stay angry. Um, I think that's, you know, people want to, we want to bury our heads under in the sand and pretend like it's, it's not going to affect us. But we live in a, a world where it's not as big as, you know, it used to be in that uh-huh. sense. That, uh, But also with that comes the, the power of, you know, the internet on, on, on the good side mm-hmm. and voices and, you know, getting involved in politics and, you know, standing up. I mean, it's frustrating because you don't know what to do. How do you, there's so much going on around in your own home. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And then you see this happening to, you know, kind of our brothers and sisters, other places that, you know, how do, how do you save everybody? You know, you stop this madness. Yeah, I, I yeah, New just words. continued ad- advocacy, okay. and you know, and we'll we'll keep reporting on it and reading about it. Alex, I uh, hit you up with another news story. Just <laughs> yes, right you away did. Too. Yeah, you know, <laughs> professional reader. <laughs> you are <laughs> almost twenty years after the burial, or excuse me, almost twenty years after the brutal and very public death of her son Matt, who had been the victim of one of the most notorious anti-gay hate crimes in U.S. history. Judy Shepard had managed to change history. After years of fighting and lobbying, she had seen hate crime laws expanded to include attacks on LGBTQ individuals. Her work was instrumental in establishing the Hate Crimes Prevention Act of 2009. Then, President Donald Trump was elected, Jefferson Sessions was named Attorney General, and everything changed. In the eight years since Matthew Shepard and James Beard Jr. Hate Crimes Prevention Act of 29, or 2009 came into effect, it's been notoriously difficult to prosecute crimes under it because of the high burden of proof lawyers faced in showing the defendant was motivated by bias. In addition, state agencies are not required to report hate crimes to the Department of Justice, which is optional. With no mandatory reporting, Judy and Dennis, her husband and Matt's father, fear many hate crimes go unnoticed and uncounted. For Judy, expanding the Hate Crimes Prevention Act is now on the back burner. She points out that Pence signed a religious freedom bill into law while he was governor of Indiana and interpreted it as state-sanctioned discrimination against LGBTQ people. Judy says, referring to Trump's term in office, In all seriousness, there is a possibility of impeachment, but then that leaves us with the devil. Not the stupid one, but the devil who's mean in his heart. Judy's fear isn't that there will be an attempt to repeal the act, but that federal officials just won't pay any attention to hate crimes anymore, which will give them a license to community, or excuse me, which will give them a license to community police to not, pay attention to them either and 
geez, you know, heavy stuff today, Frankie. Come yeah, on. Yeah, well, <laughs> my interns were, all, our interns, I should <laughs> mine. You're all mine. <laughs> <laughs> They're all yours. Work hard to, to, to pick out these articles yeah. this week. But yes, I mean, it, it, it's it's hard to find a lot of, uh, you know, happy little things that are happening. I mean, it's just, they're, they're out there. There's a lot there. of dark stuff happening. But there's a lot true. of dark stuff. And, you know, again, I go back to what our, our first part of the segment when it's, you know, that we want to put our heads in the sand and we have to stay aware of mm-hmm. what's going on. There's so much out there that, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you pick, you know, your fight? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's sort of, I think it's true. And the interesting thing about this, as opposed to, um, the instances in Tanzania where, um, basically you're looking at the difference between, um, sort of, um, an affirmative action or uh, maybe not affirmative action, but uh, a form of actual government interdiction in one, Mm -hmm. um, in the case of Tanzania. And then the opposite side being, you know, we're just going to kind of shrug away these sort of current legislation because it's sort of time-consuming, resource-consuming, it is difficult to argue in court, but arguably this is the purpose of, you know, the Department of Justice and namely groups like the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. And so the question is, are there people there who actually will do something about it? And the answer is, at least in leadership, as we discussed last week, they're probably the same people who are working to sort of dismantle these acts and sort of make them toothless. Right. And and there was a time where you could kind of just put it on autopilot and assume that somebody on the higher powers were going to take care of it. And it's it's not going to happen. If anything, as you said, that the leadership's not there. So again, it's important we the people um, be responsible and we hold them accountable and we find these news stories and we let the general public know what's going on and hopefully the general public will then go out and vote and yep. will then go out and you know raise their voices and you know stop this i i couldn't say it better myself frankie honestly voting right now um especially uh even though it might be hard to sort of especially not going to go deep into politics you know Senate's still very much in contention, but House of Representatives, that's how a lot of these groups, how us common people are able to find our own representation and put people's feet to the fire. Exactly. Say, you know what, here are the rules. You guys better follow them. Right, right. Yeah, you couldn't say it better. Hey, we reached a little after the 15-minute point, so we're going to take a music break, and we'll be back with more news. Oh 
Welcome back to Blooming Out. You've been listening to Saint by Negro Swan from their album Blood Orange. Justin, I heard you got one more story for us today. <laughs> one more story that's sort of in keeping with the theme of what we've been talking about, I think. Um, so far-right Brazilian lawmaker Yair Bolsonaro, the so-called Trump of the tropics, was elected president of the world's fourth largest democracy on Sunday once considered unelectable due in part to his long history of offensive comments, he implied women who are rape deserved it and has said he'd be incapable of loving a homosexual son. The 63-year-old former military captain proved his detractors wrong and was elected. While many of the Latin American countries' marginalized communities have questioned what Bolsonaro's leadership could mean for them, Brazil's LGBTQ population is particularly concerned. Before Bolsonaro threw his hat into the presidential ring, he had a reputation for racist, sexist, and homophobic remarks. In his decades as a congressman, he has been particularly vocal about his distaste for gays. In 2013, he proclaimed, yes, I am homophobic and very proud of it. 
Nonetheless, a national survey found that nearly a third of Brazil's LGBTQ community supported the controversial candidate. Tiago Pavinato, a 34-year-old gay attorney in Brazil, spoke to Bloomberg News about his support of Bolsonaro. In his interview, he pointed out that those tracking LGBTQ murders in the country have found a steady increase since 2000. Brazil's LGBTQ community has made a number of gains over the past two decades, such as same-sex marriage, which has been legal since 2011, Transgender people can use their chosen names on government IDs. The public health system offer, offers specialized care for trans people. And gay couples have the same rights to a partner's pension upon death as heterosexual couples. Although two Supreme Court justices will complete their terms during Bolsonaro's mandate, the court will still likely be favorable to LGBTQ issues. However, Bolsonaro has proposed adding 10 more justices to the 11-member court. So this is all some more terrifying news. And I hope that Judy Shepard isn't right. I mean, I think she is right about Pence, but it would be just sort of a nightmare if he came in and started that Religious Freedom Act again. And, you know, (laughs) what if this type of stuff does happen in the U.S.? Well, it could. And that's what we have to stay on our toes about. It's we, we, we think, you know, it's impossible. I remember, you know, you know when things were all kind of rolling well for the LGBT community in, in, in better ways in the Obama era. Um, and people just figured we just had it and, you know, that things were going to be okay. And we would just, you know, be considered mainstream. And that was the end of it. And, you know, we have other things to go fight now. And, you mm-hmm. know, and... I just was, you know, don't don't uh, take that uh, deep breath yet. And obviously, you know, the country wasn't. I don't want to say the country wasn't ready, <laughs> but I don't know what to think anymore. Well, no, I think it's exactly because in Brazil they had their first woman president right before yeah. this, who was then impeached, right? You know, on sort of scanty grounds, I believed. You know, supposedly she was mismanaging funds or right. something, but it was also could be interpreted as a right-wing conspiracy. Right. And when we, again, we have the, one of the, the most powerful countries in the world, the United States of America, and we have a president such as Donald Trump who likes these type of bullies. And, you know, before, you know, America would lean to, you know, the moral side mm-hmm. and we're, you know, not in every way. I mean, I hear you out there in the listening audience, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so I'm not, you know, okay, I get it. Um, but in general, you, you wouldn't say it out loud more or less. And, you know, at least somebody would uh, shake a stick at them at, at the very least to say, hey, you know, stay in check, you know, keep it a little down. But now it's, there's, there's nobody really, in a power position that can really, you know, kind of shake that stick and, right. and, and force people to center again. And, and what's ha- going to happen is, you know, I hate to see it, but, you know, uh, Holocaust of, right. of, of many people, not just the LGBTQ community, look, but to, you know, lots of different Well, look what happened to the synagogue this week. Exactly. Pittsburgh. I, I mean, it's heartbreaking. But Trump has allowed people to... <laughs> What do you, we express their hate? Alex oh, I was going to say, I mean, the thing I would try and do is say to avoid the most extreme example okay. because as a whole, you know, we keep on sort of being reminded and I 
use air quotes here that there are adults in the room. Um, of course, once again, Judy Shepard points out, you know, like, are we just trading the devil we know for the the next <laughs> the devil? Smarter right. devil. Yeah. devil? Yeah. So I understand that it's like, yes, there are people driving this that are not named Donald J. Trump simultaneously. I do think the biggest issue right now is ensuring that, you know, if we can, if people can push this election, it's going to make it that much harder for those sort of things to go into place. Right. That's what's critical. And True. like I just I mean, for me right now, I've been getting calls like edited out this week from the Democratic Party, so it's like okay, I'm doing my civic duty. Everyone go vote. I mean, if you can, uh, voting stations are open from, I believe, 8 to 6, 9 to 5, right. 9 to 6. <laughs> oh, geez. 9 well, to 6. 9 to 6. <laughs> so, you know, if you get a chance, do it. It is critical. I mean, if these sort of things are things you are concerned about and you want to find some way to... Either Our system only works if we're willing to go out and, you know, do our duty as of Americans. Exactly. And to vote. Yeah, if you don't participate, then, you know, and, and you pretend that nothing's going to happen and everything's going to be right or somebody else is going to take care of it for you. Right. And we're at a point where it's really important that every individual out there takes a responsibility for our country. You know, I get really uh, angry and upset mm-hmm. with folks that don't go out and vote right now. And I'm like, hey, you know, I, I kind of throw it back in your face. If you support my family and you claim that you like us as much as you do, you know, just my family, the LGBTQ Frankie, you know, Frankie family out there, then, you know, go go out and, and make a statement, you know, and, 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 and protect. At least here's the face, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. It's just like we, we can't. We can't stop. We got to keep the momentum up and going at this point. Um, so, on that note, Justin is going to introduce our guest tonight. Well, speaking of voting, we have Kate Wiltz, candidate for Monroe County Council District 2. Compassion, sustainability, learning. Kate says these words are driving her campaign for county council. These words drive how she approaches problems, both personally and professionally. Wilt said these words describe how she will serve on the county council. Kay is excited to do more for Monroe County. It is the responsibility of our government to support the health and wellness of the community it serves. For Monroe County, this means funding public health services for those affected by addiction, connecting people, all of our people, with safe, accessible routes to the places they need to be via public transportation, sidewalks and paths, and trail systems. Ensuring that our natural resources, our lakes and forests, are managed for both economic and environmental sustainability. Kate Wiltz moved to Monroe County in 1991. She met her husband here. He was born and raised in Bloomington. And after graduating in 1993 from IU, they moved to Ohio and attended Ohio State University. Over 10 years ago, Kate's husband, Jim, and herself returned to Monroe County to raise their family. Kate states, I have a passion for environmental and sustainability issues and serve on the county's environmental commission. I've worked for the Ohio State Extension in program development and evaluation in forestry, watershed management, and conservation practices. 
Working with private landowners, I learned a lot about agricultural practices and the people who literally shape our, our landscape. Since returning to Bloomington, she has worked in her children's schools to start a recycling program and implemented an activities fair to inform students about the options for their students. Kate returned to work four years ago, and her focus shifted again to community engagement as a project manager for the Epley Institute at IU. In this position, she works with county and city governments on planning projects in health, parks, and recreation. She currently manages several partnerships with federal agencies to effectively educate both staff and visitors on public lands. In all of her endeavors, she said she strives to educate and inform. I focus on sustainable solutions that look toward and plan for the future. I connect people with ideas and resources. Welcome, Kate. Welcome, Kate. It's so Kate. good yeah. to have you here. That was quite the lengthy description. Well, we had wanted to, you know, lay it all out. There, there, unfortunately, the trumpets weren't available for the <laughs> for the fanfare <laughs> and everything. And she will save the world. And, she, yeah, and that's what we're home. looking for. Oh, we, we need a savior. Uh -huh. And also, did you see who crept in? Yeah. Melanie. Melanie. Hi. Hi, Hi. We're so happy you're here. Yeah. I'm happy to be here. <laughs> Are you, everything's okay? Everything's great. Everything's wonderful. Good. I um, was uh, helping out some friends that were uh, experiencing a birth. Just That's experiencing so, a birth. Yeah. Well, I'm glad it was a happy thing. It was, it's extremely happy. Everybody's happy. Baby's happy. Mom and dad are happy. Okay. Grandparents are happy. We needed some happiness. We needed it's, some happiness. Thank you. It's <laughs> miraculous stuff. So I'm sorry to take away from time. No, no, no let's no. talk about babies. babies. <laughs> <laughs> No, that, yeah, that's exactly yeah. after what we just came no off. Kidding. Some new yeah. life and new possibility and, and new generation. It's really, truly, uh, you know, uh, I don't know. It, it completely shifts your brain, right. you know, and, uh, and you know, for out of the darkness, there's hope again right. and love and all of those things that we're just not hearing enough of. Right. And yeah. so it was so truly true. a... Wonderful. Well, thank you for bringing thing. that light of yes. happiness thank out of you. our little dark cave. <laughs> that we were going, but then we had Kate. But then we have Kate, and, and, and she was so she the started future. the light, and you have the flame. There you go. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> we're a team. Yay! So, um, Kate, so you're um, running for office. This is your first time you haven't been a candidate before, correct? That is correct. So, um, what got you involved in politics? We'll start there first, kind of. Who's Kate? Well, <laughs> a couple of years ago, on a cold November morning, <laughs> I woke up and cried. <laughs> and um, after a little while, realized that em emotions, though that though we do need to, as you say, be angry, stay angry, m aren't always the most productive reaction. Correct, correct. Mm -hmm. So I made arrangements to take my family to D.C. to the Women's March um, and did that. I wanted to show my girls this is what you do. You, you know, when things don't turn out the way you want and aren't going in the direction you want to see, protesting is part of America. It's part of our democracy. So um, really had a powerful and amazing um, adventure through the Women's March. And um, my kids were really just pumped and excited. And we got back to Bloomington and they looked at me and said, now what? 
Oh, what are we doing next, Mom? Wow. And I was like, uh, I'm going to work. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, y- you know, I, I had worked on a, a local campaign and, and so had an idea that, okay, these are normal people that just, you know, decide to get a little nutty and, and more involved. So, th- you know, I talked to a couple of friends, and that's when I um, was appointed to the Environmental Commission because you just kind of put your name out mm-hmm. there and apply, and then if they see a match, they make it. So that was that was cool and interesting, but a um, f- few months in, um, it just started to seem like, you know what, I... I can see I can see an opening literally there's mm-hmm. someone stepping down from council it's an open seat and some folks in the Democratic Party asked me if I would be willing to uh, try to run to fill that seat and so at first you know it was a very personal emotional I want to set a good example for my kids kind of thing um, and I think it's kind of evolved into uh, something I think is going to be a really good match for my skills if I'm so lucky. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, um, we're going to put a peg to still from Alex and and this for a moment and and take a music break and do Community Minutes, and then we'll be right back with Kay Wilt. Come around. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't, sometimes I ask myself, like, you know, what is it going to take for me not to be afraid to be loved the way, like, I really want to be loved? But that I know how I really want to be loved. But I'm, but I'm, like, scared to really, really feel that. You know, it's like you want something, but you don't know if you can handle it. We're going to take a second to look at the community calendar real quick. Um, we're actually listening to, this is the song Hope by Blood Orange, or by Negro Swan off of the album Blood Orange. Um, so, community calendar, we have soup tasting at Bloomington Community Farmer's Market. That's November 3rd at 10.30. And then we have the LGBT Aging and Caring Network Breakfast at Cloverleaf Family Restaurant. That's at 4023 West 3rd Street, Bloomington. That is November 7th at 10 a.m. I believe that's a Wednesday. Yeah, it's a Wednesday. All right, we're going to throw it back over to Blooming Out. And that was our lovely engineer, Lucas Fisher, reading off the community minutes. And you were listening to Hope by Negro Swan from their album Blood Orange. Thank you again, Kate Wiltz, for being in the studio. My pleasure. So let's get down to brass tacks. What exactly is county commissioner and what do they do? So Indiana is kind of unique in the way they structure local government, and there are three county commissioners. They act as sort of the executive uh, component. They're maybe the the county equivalent of the city's mayor, mm-hmm. uh, making executive decisions and also then a little bit of legislative kind of things. So they those three people also um, develop some policy for the county. And then there's the county council, and that is a seven-member board that really um, is meant as a check-slash-balance on the commissioners. Um, It was created later in Indiana's history because the state legislature thought that perhaps the commissioners and the counties were were a little bit too too, close. too too yeah too powerful had a little bit too much going on so county council kind of provides that um, balance to mm-hmm. the commissioners and they do that through being the um, being the ultimate decision making body regarding funding it's all about the money so county council holds the purse strings and what that means is they um, determine what the the annual operating budgets are going to be for the various county departments and they levy taxes Mm -hmm. and their mandate is to balance the county budget every year so what are some uh hot topics right now within hot topics locally just reliably go back to the impact that opioids and substance use is having on our community because that seems to just be something that ripples through all all of these other spheres of government and community um so that's that would be a big a big issue so what are uh, is that something that the county council is agreeing on right now i mean everybody's 
on the same page on how that needs to happen or are there a lot of kind of uh, head spinning and ideas and no one's really come up with a, a, a hard solution and is that something that you think that you might have walking in that you can have a different perspective and a breath of fresh air maybe well I have to say that um, in Monroe County the of the seven members on county council mm-hmm. we have six Democrats right now so there's a lot of agreement actually on on this particular issue and a number of other issues and it's really nice to see the see folks working together and um and really seeing charting a path forward and particularly with respect to to opioids um the the president of the county council shelly yoder Mm -hmm. partnered with one of our commissioners amanda barge um to develop and 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 hold an opioid uh Summit. Summit. Yes, that was the word. And it, it started out um, first year. It was a huge hit. It was. Uh, I was able to attend. I learned a lot. I'm still learning a lot from them and from the community. And the second year, it expanded and was even bigger and has really generated a lot of momentum. Uh, Shelley and Amanda both uh, won a state award for cooperation in county government because of this project. Yeah, it's really, it's it's being looked to as a model for what other local governments can be doing. The Opioid Commission then that has come out of all of their work is also looking at putting legislative, like lobbying pressure on the state house because so much of it is about things happening at the state level, Mm -hmm. um, putting restrictions on or opening opportunities for local action. So So this is something, I mean, obviously that that touches the community and it's not going to go away. We're seeing it really kind of becoming a trend within around the country, but especially Bloomington has changed so much with um, just the the, the amount of homeless people that you see on the street now. Mm -hmm. Um, And not just people that are you know down and out but people that are have serious mental issues and um addiction issues Mm -hmm. and it's you know as a a bystander a citizen kind of driving by and watching it um what 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 what's the council doing now about i mean actively because obviously the talk and kind of figure out what to do where do you see yourself kind of stepping in there and being able to you know well, there are a couple of different uh, ways county council can exert influence on what's going on in, in the other uh, areas of government. First and foremost, um, budgeting, it all comes down to the money, and our budgets reflect our values. Mm-hmm. So when when you bring uh, progressive values to uh, the council, that's going to then impact the way in which um, you approve funding for the the jail, for instance, and the uh, community corrections department, um, both of which have a lot of challenges directly related to the opioid crisis. So I feel that coming in with a broad understanding of how evidence-based approaches can really work in a community, looking at what resources we have and the spectrum of what you can offer to reduce harm to mm-hmm. individuals experiencing uh, substance use disorder is 
is is just the ba- basis of an educated approach. Right. And so I've spent months. This is not my background. I right. have no. I'm not in social services. But this is what I've been talking to people about and trying to really educate myself on. As soon as I started sensing this is this is a big issue. It affects everything. So we got to tackle that. So and that's what you're hearing that. Mm-hmm. From when you're mm-hmm. out, and another, you know, I know um, the environment's a passion of yours as well. That is my background. That is your background. That is my background. So, where do you see that playing in your position if you were to be elected? Well, what I'm really um, most interested in is, um, well, two things. For in a very, very tangible way, uh, Lake Monroe is our sole source for drinking water, mm-hmm. and in fact. Monroe County only contributes in terms of land just a very little bit to the entire watershed. So when you think about a watershed, which is the whole area around a a body of water like a lake that drains in, we're drinking most of, you know, we have the the strongest reliance on on the quality of that water because it's our drinking water, but we're not in control of what's going in. And there are five counties in the watershed so the first thing that I really want to realize there were that many. Yeah, so yeah. It's great to get an education. <laughs> well, and, <laughs> I knew it was Brown County and Monroe County, and I thought that was it. And Jackson, and I wish I remembered okay, all the names. Right. But <laughs> yeah, it isn't yeah. A test, but yes, but I, you know, and they're all in different. They all have different types of land uses, and they all have different interests for their own economies that they really, you know, have to protect and and support. So. I think working across borders, so to speak, in this little region, there could be a lot done to uh, to encourage policies that really protect the the steep slopes that surround. So, what would be something that you would hope to be able to contribute as far as protecting? I'd like to see something along the lines of a watershed summit. You know the the parallels what has been done on the opioid front that really brings together both academics and uh, people, landowners, people um, who practice out in the field working in public lands as well as private lands management to coming together and really starting to chart a path forward for making sure that we don't mess this up um, from here on out. I mean, you've if you're tuned into environmental things, um, climate change is a very real threat to all, all of us in, in many ways. And it's a threat to our economics as well as the, the you know, warm fuzzies, trees and birds and all that. So, <laughs> you know, we really, there's a lot to work with in terms of regionally. I'd like to see that happen. Uh, there is a a grant pending that the county council and city council have uh, been in support of. Um, it's a grant for a friends group. It's it's not for the county, but the, to hire a watershed uh, manager of some sort. To really so there's not a watershed manager of some sort. Oh well, you know, um, no. Wow. <laughs> Why? Funding. It was so, all so people just didn't see it as being something important at that time or they just figured we got it and it's just not a position well there are a lot of different agencies involved in land management so you know even if you just take okay all the private land owners um and set that aside which is an important contingent you know an interest 
just in public lands, you have federal because you have Hoosier National Forest. You have state with uh, state forestry and uh, division of natural resources. And you have then even local, county, municipal parks and public lands. And you have uh, land owned by Sycamore Land Trust and those types of entities as well. Everybody with a very vested interest in protecting you know, what's you know going on in our environment. And yet all of those fairly strapped for funding. This right. is not a friendly time for those uh, agencies necessarily. Is this something that can happen without a significant tax increase or is it just being creative of with the money that is there already? I, yeah, I don't think that we're talking about increasing taxes at all for this type of thing. I think what we're talking about is making sure that strategic planning and long-term thinking is incorporated into a kind of a cooperative approach, mm-hmm. you know, making sure that we're all on the same page. And because truly the long-term goals are the same. It's really how are we all going to get there and how can we, instead of taking separate paths, work together and and, and do this. And I've done a, a lot of stakeholder-based kind of work with, you know, professionally. Mm-hmm. So I know it sounds a little Pollyanna, when I sit there and go, kumbaya, everybody, <laughs> let's get together. But it's it works. It, it's it's when you look at e- ecological um, stewardship and and uh, management, this is this is actually the proven approach. You bring people together, you facilitate that process so that everyone feels vested in it. So would this be something that you would see that necessary to happen sooner than later? It needs to happen yesterday. Okay. So that would be something that, you know, you'd actively pursue as soon as you were mm-hmm. elected. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and again, it's about budgets. I don't write policy if I get into this position but I'll sit on county boards and commissions and I'll work with people mm-hmm. and I can, um, you know, be collaborative with other folks who do write policy and, you know, provide input. So does this, some years ago, it was many, many years ago, um, I think Indianapolis wanted to borrow our water. We mm-hmm. thought say our That's water, right, and they said it was yeah. part of their water too. Mm-hmm. Um, is this part of that kind of wrapped in there where we can protect you know, the water in that sense, because um, as Indianapolis grows mm-hmm. um, and Bloomington as well, mm-hmm. um, you know, water is, you know, a commodity that people want. And um, yes, is that s- something that we're, we're thinking about now is how to protect our community in the sense that uh, other larger cities might want to take our water? Really good question <laughs> and a really complex mm-hmm. question because there are there are already agreements with other communities that um, have access to Lake Monroe's water. And occasionally you'll see something come up for approval through the state uh, Department of Natural Resources um, for that. So uh, policies that just make sure that the water that we have is is um, cared for and, and, and kept clean. Right. You know, those are the things we really need to focus on first. Lake Monroe is having some serious problems, right? As I understand in terms of pollution or... Well, um, you know, pollution is a serious problem. Mm -hmm. Right. It's true. I, um, prefer to think of, of the positive things that we've, you know, that we have been able to do. Um, there's a you know there's a, a buffer around the lake that that um, really has prime a, a huge percentage of, of forested land, 
And so people get a little bit upset, a lot bit upset, when the state or the um, national uh, folks decide that they're going to log a little bit there. And um, and they have every right to. I mean, logging it is necessary. We all are sitting on wood. We're surrounded by wood. We use right. wood. We need logging. Does it need to happen within, you know, a watershed that's already got some some runoff issues. I think, okay. you know, those are the types of things that you hear about. But in fact, we're also looking at uh, runoff from agricultural uses mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing, which really then starts to affect the water quality. We have great water treatment. We really do. So on that end of it, we're, we're doing well. I drink the water out of the tap. Yeah, I do too. Yeah, <laughs> yes. you know. So that's, but to know you that's do. an expensive way to go, yeah. you know, dirtying up the water just to clean it again. When right. you could really make some, pro, you know, more proactive measures that cost a lot less, and and come up with some some ways to to make everybody benefit in that sense. Yeah. We have about a oh. minute left, so. I was just going to say, it sounds a lot like uh, you know, when I was growing up in the Midwest here, uh, it, I would hear about the water rights uh, issues that they had out west with yeah. scarcity and, and agricultural runoff and, and problems with water supply. And now it's kind of scary to think about that coming here because I didn't, you know, we have water, we have trees, we have all that in abundance. Uh, or at least mm-hmm. I thought so. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Scarcity in particular hasn't been an issue, but again, with climate change, things are are becoming more um, just significantly in, in extreme. Right. right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Population yeah. growth. Yeah, we're finding that more bacteria is in the water. Let's talk about babies. <laughs> <laughs> Get back to that. <laughs> just yeah. No, but those are things that are important, and that's why it's important to have good people that are running for positions that uh, are intelligent and ready to to go out and and, and make changes. So, Kate, thank you for uh, being a guest tonight on Blooming Out, and um, we're encouraging everybody to go out and vote for whoever you think is the best candidate out there. We were happy to have uh, Kate come at the last minute. Um, Thank you for for saying yes, and um, thank you to all of our listeners and our volunteers. This is Alex Ashkin. I'm Melanie Davis. Blooming Out is produced by Frankie Presloff. Our executive producer is WFHB News Director Wes Martin. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. Blooming Out's community liaison is Alex Ashkin, who is our trust f- trusting Don't fill in that, that our, when Justin Robertson feels the need to go to England. <laughs> <laughs> Who put that in there? <laughs> They're just going to keep that, that as that long as you're associated <laughs> with the show. That is funny. Yeah. Our, <laughs> our interns are Jasper Tony, Arlen Meacham, and Wen Yen Lee. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Roberts. And I'm Frankie Presslaff. Remember, if everything was straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Good night from your Blooming Out fam. You've been listening to Blooming Out on WFHB. Blooming Out is a product of WFHB's News and Public Affairs Department. Tune in every Thursday evening at 6 p.m. for Indiana's only LGBTQ plus news and public affairs program. You can hear this and other programs online at WFHB.org. Comments and suggestions for future topics or guests can be sent to Blooming Out at WFHB.org. 
That is blooming O-U-T at WFHB dot O-R-G. And thank you for listening. I gotta be proud and I gotta remember this is what I'm about.